All right, greetings. Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com. And thank you very much for joining on this Tuesday macro to micro power hour. I see Jonathan right there. We're going to promote him to panelist and chat about the markets and potentially any market structure changes we see under the hood, as well as some other discussions on doom loops and equity nirvanas, which is Jonathan's great expression um, that he has used before. And I thought it was fitting, given that we seem to be doing all of the above in the matter of one day. <laughs> How are you, Jonathan? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Oh, it's good to see you. You have been working so hard, beyond like, like hard. A, like a crazy person. <laughs> and I want to just uh, quickly point out, this is Macro to Micro Power Hour. We do it every Tuesday. Jonathan, I really like Thank you for taking time out because I know right now you're doing a major release of your platform. Speaking of which, it is here, bigtech.io. And I would love if you would also kind of catch us up. What is going on in your world with this platform before we talk markets? Because um, you're, you know, just cooking with gas. What are you yeah. working on? Sure. So um, right now we did a beta release in the fall. So we did that from October, November, December. September, like late September, October, November, December. And then in January, February, March, we've re-yamped everything based on the feedback that we got during the beta release. And we've been working with you on a bunch of your indicators. And we're building out an entire suite where people can create indicators and things yeah. like that. And so this is a full-blown, like kind of alpha release for the product um, that's coming April. So the first, uh, first week of April. And um, we're supercharging up uh, a lot more data, um, a lot of more visualizations. Um, one of the things that um, is happening in the space in my mind is that the access to information is growing, but the depth of information is not necessarily um, as, as, uh, as, as rich as what people think, you know, a lot, there's a lot of surface data floating around, but you know, you really need depth of data. And so we've, we've added a lot of depth of data that's going to help um, kind of expand on what people look at. And then also uh, create the environment where it's not just data, Right. So rows and rows and rows of information, um, usable visualizations is a big kind of theme that we're going to uh, carry forward in the spring. And so we've got a whole new release of the mobile app, a whole release, whole new release of the web app, a whole new website, a whole new marketplace. Um, no. That's all. Come, yeah. So much going on. And so first uh, be the end of the month, first week of April. And then we're really um, going to. Uh, really supercharge options. Um, there, there's so much that can be done with options. Um, this is, uh, I'm not gonna say a whole lot more than that. It's just as a whole supercharging of the options environment, uh, what people are gonna be able to do, see, um, create on their own, et cetera. So we feel like, and that kind of ties into the conversation today of the doom loop and equity nirvana with, with options and derivatives uh, so far surpassing the underlying securities to not incorporate options, whether you're a CFA, an RA, uh, you know, a day trader, a swing trader, uh, you know, just a regular retail trader that's trading on a, you know, every once in a while basis is kind of crazy at this point because the they're impact- not even They're not even every once in a while basis. I just tweeted out today that retail volume has surpassed mutual fund and hedge fund volume. Yeah, it's a new world. Yeah, it's new, a new world. world. And they yeah. are going off these meme stocks. This is true. But the option, um, and we also know option data is, excuse me, um, activity is absolutely swamping the uh, the markets. So yeah. it, the new the new not normal, the new world, however you want to put it. So you're going to drill down a little bit more and make this um, 
I guess, buildable for those geeky types that want to go in and, and mm-hmm. create their own algos and such. Because right now you're building mine. Like, like yep. you guys have literally taken my stuff and put it on your platform, three yep. products, different time frames, and the data underneath is, is similar, but you are literally helping me you know, manifest that visually and, and with signals. And it looks so slick. It looks so good on the desktop and the mobile. It's a gorgeous thing, but I know this is something you want others to come in and kind of with this agile development, build their own. Is it like the real marketplace for others to come in and, um, do their own thing yeah so it's like uh the you know i think it's one of the principles of you know when you and i met and then like kind of the way i look at the market and in business it's like the hive mind like i could sit here and say i know everything or i know the market's going to turn or the market's going to do this it's not really realistic right like one person would never be able to create everything i do believe that um are the best product in the whole world right like you know amazon amazon is a marketplace as a service um roblox is a marketplace as a service um, Pinterest marketplace as a service in its own way, right? Um, it's where other people are able to share their ideas and manifest their ideas in an environment that gestates that idea into reality. And then it can actually cause a lot of things to change and, you know, be modified, grow, expand, et cetera. So my whole thought was we need to build a platform across all aspects that can integrate data across all aspects because so many products have just maybe options or just maybe charts or just maybe screening or just maybe this, but to get the entire data set to where you could cross pollinate, uh, you know, your thoughts, your, your, your energies, your, what you're seeing, like you, you know, you, you and I were talking about your stuff where your patterns, you were seeing these patterns across multiple spaces, across multiple different facets of market structure. And you'd be able to take different pieces from all those, which we've done, you know, no secret sauce being shared here. Sorry guys, but like they, they're, they're, um, cross-pollinated yes right mm-hmm. and then they are able to deliver those type of uh, um, uh, alerts talking. those readings yeah and, and, and I, so one of the yeah. things i loved is that this data that you have is also it'd be very expensive for me to do on my own and the next person right. to do on their own and the next person to play. so you are aggregating um yes. the marketplace it's much yep. more efficient and it looks so good and you're very responsive on that development side too it's, it's a beautiful thing how it all for me it's just <laughs> yeah well what happens is like this is dry you know we were running out with a few people and kind of sorting all this out and then the back end is getting is getting constructed to where everybody would be able to you know come in there and kind of building blocks right and this happened over the next few months where you're able to create different things you've got different types of charts or visualizations that you're looking for but we've already got the mobile set up to where it's such that you want to offer alerts or you want to offer this and it's such a uh, um and, and people haven't got you guys haven't got to interact with that on the beta test yet but it's really killer like the mobile piece like for me i was i was like really working today so i don't have a lot of time xlf i've been watching and i turned on your indicator for xlf and i was like hey let me know whenever this changes for the risk range alert right and it hit me and when it said went from bearish to or bullish to neutral, neutral to bearish, all in the same day. And I was like, uh-oh, all right. So now it's like that kind of thing about life that I think becomes the active management because that's really the essence of everything. It's like this infrastructure that you would need to create something like that to deliver great value is now there in place, 
And I get a better reward as a uh, investor because that's in place. And it doesn't take you forever to get that in, in to, to a usable state. And that's the key to like going forward in my, my mind of the marketplace, because it's not necessarily like a, a going to be a passive mar marketplace with all these people participating. I mean, I think it was already going active to begin with back in 18, 19, 20, but then 20 supercharged it with everybody staying at home. So now everybody's got the kind of the bugs like, hey, I can do this, too. I think that's really where this is all headed in the next couple of generations. So, you know, and even, even with more data accessibility, because the exchanges are really trying to make more data accessible. They're not trying to afford it. They're trying to make it more accessible, but there's so much data at this point. And how does it all intermingle and how, how does it all work? That's a, that's kind of these things that we're sorting through. So I'm really excited. This is, uh, you know, your stuff, the, 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 the fascinating thing is like the depth of the quality of these readings, like the stuff for, for that you've created is like, just, it's like kind of mind blowing. It's like, you know, once you aggregate this, 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 and data points together, and you're able to simultaneously do, we couldn't track this. Like, you know, I started trading like 2007, like eight, you know, it's like, you know, it is old school type platforms. You know, you got E-Trade back in the day. Because we, people like to talk and figure out the puzzle. And that's why we do this on Tuesdays because there's still a narrative. We want to match the why. Right. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. want to just be robots. Some people do it. You know, there, there are those, you know, well, you know, what's wild is like you, can, you can synthesize so much information mentally. Like I can only synthesize so much. Like I'm tired. I go to sleep I wake up tomorrow. I might be tired again. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to like, you know, be firing all, all cylinders all the time. But this stuff is like, you know, it, it's it's rules based so like you anything that's rule based you can start to see especially once we start adding the visualizations to different things like you know it's like options market and you can see it not just look not just trigger just see you can see it you this i can't wait because literally, so literally much see it right yeah, and that's that's like that's like a whole next level of where you what you're able to do with it. Like you know, markets never go away, and that's one of the things I think everybody you know, like kind of trips up on with some of the like algo trading or HFTs or, or whatever. The market's never going away in the sense of these new things don't change the market; they just change the way the market functions. That's it. So it doesn't. So the puzzles. No, I think it becomes remain. a faster, more accessible way to read the market. For me, I work extremely hard to figure out what's going on, what's going yeah. to, and, and how the market yeah. will react and then how to position for it. And if it doesn't, why it does, there's so much here, it's exhausting. It is yep. nice to have, you know, signals yep. that actually kind of do that work. It's, it's very much price-based, which I tend to not like to only do price-based. Right. But, it, it, but there are people who only want to do price-based. They don't want to be in my trading room. They don't want to read my posts. They don't want to hear us talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I would so say I'm called, a much bigger audience. <laughs> there, there's, there's, a, there's analysis and then there's augmentation. Yes. Right. Augmentation yes. is not automation, right? Automation is where you, you're gone. I'm gone. It's just a robot doing this thing, right? The algorithm bots, right? The augmentation is the better decision. So how can I get the system to help me, you know, synthesize more information to make better decisions, to make more clear decisions. It's like literally what we we're going to talk about in a second. It's like why yeah. I did not believe that last week this was going to roll over last week. Right? But you and, absolutely and, had the num the numbers though, which which is your your pattern recognition. It isn't a bot. I mean, we we can do this 
both ways, right? We can right. with an algo. We can also do it just from experience of looking at these levels, saying, right. here are the reasons why this is not likely to get above. It's a higher yeah. probability short than a long. So, yeah. and we need to talk about that in regards to the market and rate volatility and, you know, this, this, um, the dollar impact and what happened with oil. So we're definitely going to talk about all the market stuff, but I thought it was very interesting that, you know, you have just been really nose to the grindstone working nonstop on making this live, the, the new platform with all the functionality. It's for me, extremely scalable. So I'm just like, Go work. I'm not going to interrupt you, but on Tuesday, can we still talk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you did call that last night, last that last week, this time where it was going to very likely roll over, and we did. So yeah, congratulations. yeah, yeah, good yeah. Call. Well, you know, it's 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 the it's then then and we didn't talk to like end of last week. I didn't see the VIX. It just didn't come through. And I posted a couple like you know I just throw some stuff out on Twitter when I can't hear it there. But there was nothing that you added. There's an elixir to the doom loop and the equity nirvana that you got to have for it to the concoction to fire. And it did not, the VIX did not come through. So I was expecting more of what we saw the past couple of days, like where it's bounced, like especially today, like kind of, mm -hmm. you know, shallowing out yesterday and then strong bounce today. I, I, you know, without the VIX, right, doing its thing, then you simply are going to get the buy the dip mentality. So it was, you know, with for, for the market purposes, we can get on that in a second. But it was these re, these these kind of like, if you don't have, I'll show you guys like the volatility read we have in a second. So we create our own term structure, right? You know, so you should use the VIX formula. And you can see that like the last year, the VIX was just insane. But the last couple months, three months, the last three months has been a a more neutralized state than at any point in the last 10 years, right? Neutralized, so, you didn't use so, the word suppressed. No, I, it's just neutral. So, so you could say suppressed, you could say suppressed. Like it, there are short No, I think right neutralized here, or neutered sounds better. Yeah, it's, it's just neutralized right now. So you've got this state where VIX, until VIX comes back into play, the equities, you know, being so driven by the options now, especially securities being overtaken by the derivative contract, that you're going to continue to see, you know, this uh, this situation with the VIX to be more important. And you've got all these kind of ancillary things going on, um, you know, with rotations and stuff mm -hmm. and so forth. And I, and I get all that. You, you cover that in a minute. But like, that's you, my thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can continue to do that stuff as long as this VIX situation doesn't pop out and explode. And, and that's that's one of those things you got to monitor. And I think it comes down to game theory as it relates to the Fed, where we talked about the chairs in the room and the table and where everybody is like sitting and there's not much left. Because you've only, the, in an environment where Powell says, and he says this all the time, the market's not functioning normal, right? Well, to, to them, if you think from their seat, functional market is, is no ball. Like it, the rotations are fine. Somebody wins, somebody loses is fine. They don't, they hate vol. Like vol is bad for business. And so suppression vol, short vol trades, that's supported. He's talked about short vol previous to 2018 when it blew up. And so as long as that trade is kind of in that suppressor neutered state, neutralized state, then you get just constant rotations. You get a constant, you know, right now it's on. from mo momentum that the growth to value is in full view, full view the past few weeks with the NASDAQ or the high tech um, definitely selling off, which was 
was, which was why my prediction that VIX wouldn't actually move, but the tech would sell off. And then four days ago, I actually Evan. thought VIX would start because this keeps moving, you know, from the rate volatility into equity, specifically tech. And I did tell clients repeatedly, I don't think VIX is the way to manifest this trade. I just think directional puts or put spreads on key tech. That's a good trade. call. But then four days ago, I said, now nah, I think it's actually time. I think this is actually rolled into um, potential currency volatility. And once that happens, I think volatility of volatility starts to go. So we, have, we haven't seen that. We saw the dollar bounce you know, very strongly, got right up there into resistance, and then a little bit you know, stepped back yesterday and the euro bounced. Um, but I'm still very much eyes on the prize. I, I still think we can have the next leg be rate volatility, which will then trigger volatility of volatility. So I haven't seen any of that yet percolate up in the past few days, but there's- 100%, yeah, 100% agree. We, we got yeah. all kinds of events coming up and not just the CPI tomorrow, you know, but, but the Fed on the 17th and there's still a lot to talk about in the interest rate um, world and oil. By the way, that shocked me. We got firmly above 65.65, which was my line in the sand for oil. And I ended up getting completely transfixed on that whole idea of higher oil and wrote a big long post this weekend on oil volatility, rate volatility, and then this year of the currency volatility coming our way. So I'm ready. <laughs> Well, you know, it kind, of, it kind of ties back to everything we've been saying. And if, if people have been following, it's just kind of an ongoing discussion of the legs at the table, right? Like, you know, you have knocked out. They keep getting knocked out. And eventually, like, you know, we've got it. And I was noticing last week, you said, you remember I said the Dow, you know, 31,600 yep. was the marker and 32,000 would be like the bear's last stand. And it tried to hit 31.6, tried to hit 31.6. And then that got clobbered decently, but nothing like tech. Tech was like the Momo trade that like the it. options trade um, on all that Momo stuff got hit pretty hard. You know, Kathy Wood took it pretty, pretty tough. Um, that got unwound a little bit. Then you had this straight, you know, kind of fang stuff get unwound a little bit. And so you kind of was actually first. Exactly. So they were, everything rolls and, but you only saw that over in tech because, because the, the Dow components, they held. Like they were, they were strong. That didn't sell off. Because old tech all of a sudden got a revival. And and then you got the, um, you the got jet. all the travel and yes, you got the all the airplanes and, the and everything else. So, so yeah. it was like the, and the banks, banks too. Like I had um, some, some uh, Amex shorts, American Express, and I had uh, like um, XLF puts like, you know, in last week. And I, you know, they were in the money. you got them at the right spot. They were coming down and they just got like, <laughs> it just, and it, it got taken away because I had moved my stock. I was laughing. I was like, well, yeah, it's not time yet. Cause like yep. if the banks and the 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 kind of the value plays that all that still has not reached its meet met its crescendo, right? To to the rotational trade, then it's still something to, to move to. And now you see the value, like perceived value now, maybe in like Futu and Fubo and all stuff got whacked like 50, 60 percent last week. I saw there's a lot of people like, you know, ready to jump out of uh but those Tesla. are, those but, are the, the, the kinds of bounces that we get often encounter friend. I agree with that. Really yeah. violent and they are. Market structure broke on all that stuff. And so that stuff is now in the downtrending situation with violent, re, violent uh, reflexive action. So I, I think that like, uh, you know, overall, like this, the SPX, you know, I, Russell, 
YM, they just did, they, they're still kind of meandering and this thing is still kind of leaking. VIX is still subdued. And then you've got the tech, which is already, you know, it's already turned. And so this is reflected that, uh, you know, a normal bounce is like, you know, two, three percent, six, five, right? The guy posted something about the, um, the ARC stuff earlier, 14 percent, some of that stuff, 15 percent. Half block 20. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's reflective, right? So you got to take into account. So there's a new bull market, and you know, highly unlikely. So I think that, you that's know, that's kind of- what people get excited about. They see a very large bounce and they think, oh, the bear market for these tech stocks over. is done. We need more than a one-day wonder. They're yeah, actually- yeah. follow through break the you know the break the market structure back up most of this stuff bounced right off of its uh volume points of control like major areas in the market that were heavily traded for a long period of time like tesla number was 600 for a while people thought i was crazy and then the other numbers to something so like don't don't shoot me like you know it, if it if it loses the 600 area oh it um, looks like a 500 but I yeah. will, I, there is one chart i would love to show because it, it's something that um i at least mentioned hold on let me just grab it real quick in regards to NASDAQ, because it's an interesting one. And you know me, I like to do this intermarket stuff, right? To kind of give some indication of where we're going to potentially bounce. And where is it? There it is. All right. So here, let me just share this real quick on my intermarket stuff. So this is a this is NASDAQ, obviously, from 2008. It shows up as a very slight blip, right? Pull down of what we <laughs> yeah. just had. It's yeah. it's it's not momentous. Did, did yeah. that just freeze, by the way? Because I have, can you still see me in my chart? Yeah. Okay, strange. Um, okay, so it doesn't look very much of anything, uh, although we know that stuff under the surface fell 20, in some cases, 50%. It has been dramatic in, in tech. I don't know if you see my arrow down here on the corner where this purple box resides, and this was taken this morning. So I did this, obviously, for our talk. Um, this is, for me, very, very oversold. And it means one of two things. Either we have a lot more basing to do before this is a safe long. In other words, it needs to come down here and stabilize and then reverse and move higher. Can you still hear me, Jonathan? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yep, but the picture okay. froze, which is why I'm just not sure oh, okay. you can hear us. Yeah. Um, okay, so this show, and then when I go back and then I pull this back, you can see where we were extremely oversold here. And that was obviously the March 23rd Fed intervention though too, right? So this was trillions of dollars came into the market and boom, we went higher. I come back down into this area back in October of 2008, October of 2009, and we actually hadn't bottomed. We actually kind of stabilized a little bit. We had several weeks and months of sideways before we actually, you know, got it together. And it's kind of interesting. I didn't cross-reference any Fed dates during this time, but I bet there are absolute correlations to Fed intervention during these dates. Just color me skeptical um, that it's just momentum. But in any case, the, the point is, I think this can go on for a little bit more time. I don't think in any way, shape or form, is this done? This needs to settle, needs to base, needs to reverse, and it can go on for months and months and months and months. That's all I wanted to show. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that that's totally, uh, totally accurate. I, I think that the, the market structure for NASDAQ got pretty licked. If you look at the underside of some of those names, they were, you know, 30, 40, 50%. This stuff is like, you know, one of the things I take into account is like how extended we are and then 
how like uh, the market really works now nowadays as it relates to the, the the game theory statement earlier with the Fed. So if you if you look at like the history of the the kind of the Fed put or the stimulus that has come into the game, um, the last twelve months has been uh, fiscal plus, right? And so I think that one of the things that so plus monetary. So I think one of the things, and I mentioned this many times in the last couple of months. One of the things I think has got to be incorporated in the views, even looking back to the historical back testing or the historical perspectives of any of those pictures, is now we have fiscal. And how much has that distorted some of these readings, which may look like liars, right? As stuff bounces and then it's good, but then it then it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't stick and it rolls. And it and actually it proved to be a true tell. And so I think that the fiscal with the stimulus checks and so forth that come back in, plus the deal, Green New Deal, um, whatever you want to call it, that, that, that's passed with the infrastructure. And then what, what, is, what is that? And somebody sent me, uh, James um, from, from Texas, one of my guys, he sent me some stuff about the pension money that was buried inside of the, the $1.9 trillion to sure yeah, up some pension $86 stuff. $86 to, to Super important. Super alive. important. Yeah. This pension deal we were talking about at the table, the, the you know, the table, you've got the pensioner at the table, you got the, the hedge fund shortfall guy at the table, you have the young players at the table, right? Everybody's at the table. Somebody's going to lose here with the Fed unless they can do something just we have yet to see with fiscal and not cause inflation. They are concerned about the inflation. So I think that when you look at these kind of broad picture things, we got to incorporate some of the historical context of not including some of this insane fiscal at the same time as the, the modern monetary policy stuff that we've done that would then add flavor or color to those readings, right? So like, if you look at like, oh, oh, what was it, 10, like nine, 10, some of those markers in there, like, I don't believe we had like, we usually had fiscal off and monetary on or like vice versa during those whole cycles. And it was usually the Fed that was drawing up, you know, the, the kind of pushing the thing up. Well, now we got both. Mm -hmm. And so these readings, are we going to get wilder readings? Like I saw, I see some of these readings that are like, oh, this is the most wild reading. Um, not, not stuff you've shown, but I saw some stuff this weekend. It's like one of the most, uh, you know, overextended readings of all time. And I'm like, but isn't everything overextended right now? Oh no, that I like, did that one. Hold on. Yeah. This was, this was one of the most amazing charts in regards to, um, the rate of change. Is that what you're referring to on the 10? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, not just that, but like there's stuff everywhere, just like that. You had showed, I, remember, I know exactly what you're talking about. You go ahead and show it, but like, there's another one that's related to like, um, it's related to the cues and it's related to usually this is the sign of like an impending bottom and so forth. But it's like, you gotta be thinking in the context of maybe this information is a little distorted right now as it relates to like, cause all things being equal, right? It's the phrase that you'd have to utilize. Like, is the underlying data set the same at that time and at this time? And I would have to say no, right? So these things are not, which is why you're getting these readings across like this. I did, this is, this is one, it's not like a hundred, you know, a total max out, right? So, but this, this to me, I interpret differently. It's my chart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I interpret it my way. Okay. You, you do, everyone else can do their own interpretation. But for me, when I study rate of change, okay, it is all about the speed and the strength of a move. So this is the 10 year, obviously over many, many, you know, decades. And you can see where it has, you know, gotten occasionally into some, overbought, we'll call it overbought like an oscillator, okay? And it has stayed there for a while. 
So yeah. my whole point is that this has indicated points of strength for a duration of time before they roll over. And this puppy right here, which I also, I showed clients this last year going, this looks like such an inverse head and shoulder, which tells me that this yield curve is going to get steeper and steeper and steeper and yields are gonna go higher and higher, which is why I like that reflation phrase over and over. I keep going back to that well. So 100%. this just, even though it's come back down, by the way, this is um, the sixth and right now it's about the 80, doesn't matter. The fact that we shot up like hot fire flames is the speed and the strength of front running. The Fed is like, okay with this. They kept coming on, um, Bullard, Bernard, Bernard, sorry, um, and, um, and Powell. So they didn't talk this down. They let this move happen. So to me, this has more strength. It's more durable. That's how I interpret this chart. And other people will say it's an outlier and it's going to reverse and crash as a deflationary impulse, which by the way, it could if the Fed, when and if they come out and they say, you know what, we have decided, you know, yield curve control would be a good idea. Then that sucks liquidity out, right? Yeah. Which is actually bearish for yep. equities. Um, there, I don't think they're going to be very quick to do that, honestly. Um, months, yeah. They, they're probably going to see. I think you know, realistically, you're going to look at them and say, you know, what are they probably looking for? They're going to see what the what the reopening looks like, right? So they're going to be very, very kind of, you know, they. Equities I, are down like to what two percent, three percent. But it isn't. 4%, it, isn't right? the, it isn't the equities that are down. It's the tech profits coming out. The SPAC ETF was down. It's you know seventy eight point six fib retracement, and it was a gorgeous <laughs> you know drop. Yeah. Um, you know the high flyers. Yes, the arc um, of no dividend, high growth, no profitability, zero. Uh, yeah, so they're not profitable. They don't have dividends but they're high growth and they just collapsed 20 to 40%. It was breathtaking, right? So people are trying to trade to make up for their portfolio losses. I think the Fed's okay with this. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. It almost like worked out for them last week in a sense because you got some of the excess pulled out on the Momo stuff, but then the, the value and Dow stuff played out fine. <laughs> I gotta and show you, you. Get, you get the rotation that, that works and you don't have a VIX spike. So it's like literally like Merry 100%. Christmas, right? brilliant orchestration in my humble opinion i think this is exactly what they wanted okay so take a look at this this is um eric from bloomberg he's talking about outright feeding frenzy can you see right here yeah yep good okay yep. okay there's outright feeding frenzy going on for value etfs right now which have taken in about five billion in the past week that's a good month and 20 billion year to date nearly you know look at the records uh, just incredible in all 80 value ETFs have taken in cash. And here's a look at where the money's going. Then he continues on. I'm getting to the punchline. Cause this is like, for me, I'm the rotation. Mm -hmm. I love, I love rotation um, because I can see where the money's coming in and it's basket trading. So it's energy, it's airlines. It's, I don't care what it's Momo, but you can see the rotation and it's such a beautiful trade. Um, interesting and yet kind of predictable. Most of the cash is going to the watered down value ETFs even though the pure stuff is popping way, way more. But the point is he comes into, okay, the year-to-date returns. You can see this, this thread I have um, forwarded it. But that said, if this value comeback is real and not the 28th head fake, then watch for one, maybe two of those of four ETFs above to be the next era's arc, calling it now. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, 
this is, I have been writing about this. I have been talking about this because I think this rotation, and when I say I've been writing about this, talking about this, this is a post I did this weekend for clients, but just for example, my, and we started talking uh, early fall, right? But April, the client, you know, post, rotation into value setup, violent rotation. That was, um, uh, we hadn't even hit the historic one yet. The case for value over momentum, value takes flight, historic momentum factor rotation into value. That was an 8.8 standard deviation move, which by the way, had to be unwound and it was. And then value is wicked oversold. That was July 14th. Then rotation into value is underway again. Then we had the September 4th, which is what I call the, 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 the peak momentum uh, to anti-momentum uh, rotation. I'll show you that in a chart in just a minute. October 9th, the Biden bid meets value rotation. And I did my first of the year um, Stock Charts TV 2021 predictions where what am I calling for? Small caps over mid cap over large cap. So I'm really very in interested in this theme that this has strength, speed, money flow. I don't know, that's, that's me. Listen to this anecdotally. So it kind of could, could, could throw in some, some merit to an even deeper situation globally, right? Like uh, I've been told by multiple different exchanges that their largest sales this year for like exchange data is in Asia pack buying US equities access for their younger populations. So new FinTech apps and stuff like that. Oh. People, more people are trading US equities than have historically, even internationally. Right. So then you've got this this type of rotation trade where you're going from from like, you know, what's expensive to what's cheap, then, you know, picking up the tail, so to speak. You This stuff is like it's got a lot of legs. And I think when you look at like I'll show everybody the doom loop and equity nirvana, I wrote an article and they put it in tab form and it really explains all the equity. Oh, good. Nirvana. OK, because I was going to say right? define those terms. And, and so them. really what what it would be is like, can we have a singular or a binary market, right? Where it's this rotation, 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 based off of kind of not just seasonality, but a lot of all the different macroeconomic factors, right? They could be coming into play. And those are all, I would do a call them healthy. Those are healthy things based on seasonality economy. You got the reopening, you've got the, you know, the cruise ships were at zeros. Now they're like coming back. The airlines were at zeros. People are flying again. You know, these things, that's like good, it's good business, much less like good investing. That's like good business buy stuff like that. So when you look at what can interrupt that, the only thing that interrupt this type of stuff now is this because of the construct of the market, because of the way that it's, it's kind of unfolded where the derivatives have overtaken the amount of securities and it's all good when it goes up, but really makes it vulnerable at any given time is the doom loop, right? Which is this kind of concoction of a formula of different things. Let me just share what that yeah. is. And I thought you were going to say, which is GameStop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, like uh, you know, that that is just that that's kind of like the you game know, shorts, shorts have taken it on the on the chin stronger with GameStop going up. Uh, what was it? It was, Oh, my gosh. What was the number? Eleven billion right now in losses on shorts for GameStop versus only four billion on Tesla shorts. Why would you are, short GameStop like, at this point? Like they got a They got a they got a. Uh, you know, if, if you've seen any of these 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 uh, meme videos about you know deep deep, deep F and value like yeah, yeah, and where yeah. he's rocky and it's like they, this is a hero thing right like Forrest this is Gump. yeah, I've seen yeah this is yeah. this is a totally you know you're you're fighting a 
a, a slug of, of the market structure that wants to see this just succeed. And it has really nothing to do with like oil or anything else. It's just literally the one stock. It's a revolution. They call it a revolution. Right, right, right. So, so when we look at, when we look at the doom, let me share this and I'll walk you through. Oh, I got to give you power. Sorry. Why does it do this? Uh, To protect, to protect everyone. You have to give permission. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I'll send the link. Uh, you, I'll give you the link to the article, oh, and people okay. can go get it off a of tab form. Um, but basically, you know, I won't go into everything. I'll go into the details of equity in Nirvana. But it, it's the the market cycles, right? Were really interrupted in effect because it is the short vol trade and the interest rate target, right? So short vol targeting and then passive indexation. A lot of lot of work been done on this. I'm not the one. They pioneered this, but that's pretty much, you know, given at this point, you got short ball, you got passive indexation, which is one time frame buying. So money comes in and it's going to get bought indiscriminately. And then the interest rate suppression for a prolonged period of time that gave us what would be a prolonged period, you know, bull market, what have you, but equity nirvana, where there's really no negative bid. And that's not a normal market structure. Normal market structure, like you go to an auction, people are buying and selling on, on different sites to find the actual price. And in 2018, and really what happened was, and um, Lily Frankis has done a bunch of work on this to look back at the actual spread of options trading going back to like the early 2000s. Once Robinhood comes into play, options trading explodes by, by just proxy of access. So people have more access to trade options. And this is a this is a, a a feature, not a bug. We've talked about this at length. I won't go into it. But basically, if I can trade 100 lot, contract order because I don't have a commission that, you know, it's a totally different game. I'm trading a lot more options, right? So this, the options contracts start getting really heavy in, in 18, 19, and 20. You can see the bifurcation of the old kind of uh, environment to the new environment. So it's like a comb, right? So you see a lot more options being traded. Well, it's a natural thing that happens once more options get traded, which we see these really extreme kind of moves, much more extreme moves than we would see historically prior to like 17. And that is where you've got the get big um, gamma, right? So you've, you've covered this a bunch. Spot gamma has done great work on this. Um, squeeze metrics done great work on this. Gamma exposure, respectively, when dealers got to sell calls. And so we got all this new call activity because people learn how to buy calls first, like buy calls because everything stocks go up, right? So instead of learning puts, put spreads, bear, bears, you know, all that kind of stuff, you've got just simply call bond, right? Well, the dealer sells the call, got to buy the underlying to hedge it. That's a feedback loop. And so you get that impact plus passive indexation, plus short ball trade. You get these kind of grinding higher environments where it's pretty safe to rotate, right? Smart players rotate, other people pile onto the momentum, right? So that positive jack supplies liquidity, right? And then short ball, right? When when there's positive jacks, it also decreases IV. So, you know, liquidity is abundance or the perception of liquidity is abundance because of the Fed, right? You got gamma kicking in. You get outsized moves to the upside that never have a negative bid. Institutions sell puts at much lower levels, right, to create yield. And then vol short sellers target vol to create yield because there is no yield in a negative, you know, interest rate, zero interest rate environment. It's all based on the perception of liquidity. Right. And the abundance of liquidity, which right now we have in spades because we've got fiscal plus we have monetary. Right. So neither of those. So there's there, there is literally no fear of liquidity. And when people start getting fears of liquidity at all, you start to see it show up. 
that's why I said last week, I was not really convinced that it was going to roll over much more than it did as far as maybe more of a correction versus a doom loop, because there's still no perception of liquidity problems because people still think that everything is good. And you had the fit and you had the, um, the $1.9 trillion vote this weekend, this past weekend, which I would, you know, I made a joke, uh, some privately about people going into the weekend short ahead of that, right? That's bad, bad, bad move. The, this can go into never, never land, right? It can continue to break records. It can continue to set, you saw all the put call ratios. We cover put call ratios. It can just go on because you have more people buying calls, right? It's just in excess, right? Across the board. And then there's call buying. And think about this, like we, you know, we've looked at stuff where people are searching for calls that are under 50 cents, specifically under 50, I mean, under 25 cents. So this is literally a, you've got to account for this as it relates to trading. So what breaks this? Well, because then you got what I would call one-sided market then, because everybody's on one side. What happened in 18? What happened in the end of 18, February 18, end of 18, and then in the, um, 2020, you get this just period where immediately things just get off the handle. Like it's, it's immediately out of control. Well, short sellers get squeezed. That's the first thing on the vol trade, right? So as, when the vol trade gets squeezed, those guys immediately, because that's the most violent trade you could be in a shorting ball, right? Like it's, it's, you know, it's very violent when it goes wrong. It's very profitable historically the last 10 years, and then it goes to zero. So XIV, for example, right? So there are a lot of these short sellers, right? Pensions, institutions, hedge funds, they all engage in the short selling because it's a yield process, right? The, you know, like UVXY, has everybody seen UVXY? Have you seen a chart of UVXY? The thing's literally built to go to zero. Right. So like when you look at these things, you can see that they're structured for that short trade. Well, that trade can blow. Well, a rising VIX comes right after the short sellers get anaconda squeezed. And that means liquidity is deteriorating instantaneously. So VIX, rising VIX, say, say what's the last rising, rising VIX is in is is a, in, in basically it's means that liquidity is deteriorating. Right. So the perception of liquidity being great to liquidity is deteriorating and everybody's on the wrong side of the trade. Then you got short covering, right? On the short vol trade, right? Which spikes VIX higher. So as liquidity disappears, institutional demand on the market starts to run away and leaves the market in the, hand, the hands of the single time frame ETFs and retail buyers, right? So with rapidly falling prices and th those are not geared for the high volume. So once the rapidly falling prices come in, option dealer switches, right? So, because it goes from positive checks to negative checks. And you did see that last week only, only in QQQ. You didn't yep. see it. You saw it in, in the NASDAQ. You saw it just go bidless. It felt bidless. It just sunk, right? It did not crater, right, completely. But I would say that, you know, 10% overall, like uh, I think it did hit 10 or 11% at one it point. Did. When you look at ARC, ARC legitimately suffered heavily. Because they got, because their puts are, you know, they got in a, they got in a doom loop. It was down, what, 30% something. Today. 37. Yes. All right. So negative JEX is reducing taking liquidity, whereas positive JEX is supplying liquidity. You got spike and VIX. So the thing that we did not have last week that was, you know, correction, right? Or not even correction, just kind of like meandering in time is there was no real concern of liquidity in the, in the value structure. So the Dow, Russell or, or SPX. There was just like kind of sideways action. And none of this was really anything outside of the tech space. Tech space had its own little 
kind of period there, a little vacuum. So the way that this blows out, and I encourage everybody to take a look at Squeeze Metrics paper on this, because I think he's exactly right. Some people say, you know, maybe not sure about this piece, but I think he's right. It's the sold puts that got sold way underneath the market, because once a dealer, you know, is, is selling a put, then they're actually hedging the underside of that. So it's not the put buying that really you know, gets out of control. It's the put selling at the end that really sucks it way down and out of control. And there's some, there's some really dynamics that he shows some great charts on this, but there's a white paper he wrote on the liquidity deterioration that I suggest anybody's really nerding out on this stuff, how those like kind of apex bottoms occur when the bottom, it just falls out. And it's all the mechanics of the options market that causes these steep, steep, steep drops to occur very quickly. So doom loops, right, is where there's nothing working, right? It seems like there's nothing working. You saw uh, that happen in um, late late 19, Christmas massacre, right? In late 19, it just, you know, there was no bid, it was bidless. And you saw this in 2020, it was bidless. And it's offsides moment as it relates to liquidity. Now, you know, what, what I would say is, as we go further, this type of market structure that's directly influenced by the options, the, the options market and the, and the VIX structure is so kind of in the, the one-way street. Either it's, a, either it's in line and it's suppressed or right, it's totally out of control. And it gets out of control in a session to two sessions very quickly. And that market structure flips, these pieces fall into place and the shorts get squeezed right on the VIX. And that the VIX itself and the SPX itself are the primary players to you know everything else. You can see QQQ or Russell kind of go in their own buckets here, both up or down. This, this is really related to SPX being the largest. And I think that this, um, this SPX and VIX relationship, so you know, SPY and then VXX, you're gonna overlay to that kind of very subtly, but like the VIX and SPX, are the keys to this piece. And so the doom loop and the Nirvana cycles can, the doom loops can be much more vicious. And what happens is since you didn't have any transactional buy side, sell side action on the way up, you get what I call gorpy action, or just kind of this fleeting rise that has a lot of holes in the market structure. Typically, yep, typically in in an equity Nirvana cycle, you see these periods, especially overnight, where the market will gap up 1%, 75 basis points, one and a half percent, and it just leaves it. And the ETFs immediately come in because they are triggered one time frame, right? So their mandate, and they start buying immediately. So you get that gap ramping camp behavior. The question that I think is probably you know worthy of discussing at this point is: Is this kind of towards the end of this regime because we've kind of created all this, or are we at the beginning of this regime? And a lot of folks are saying, "Oh, well, this can go on indefinitely." And I think you know realistically, this this whole Nirvana and doom loop structure being kind of fostered by the um, the zero interest rates, short vol, passive indexation. It is can interest rates be you know where's the Fed going to go with those? As it you know what what else can they do? We've talked about this with three legs of the stool um, getting knocked out or four or whatever based on how many we've had knocked out. And then we've got the you know fiscal policy. Fiscal is not monetary, and then. You know, banks, you posted about banks lending, right? This morning, I think, is that right? Was that you? Yeah. you know, so so if banks banks playing into this as well, I, I think that when you when you step back in the longer term perspective, this is going to be something that plays into whatever the next kind of moment is. And we're not seeing that yet, but the next moment is now, 
with an options market that is what two times, three times what it was a year ago, right? And we've got we've got you know all this concentration into you know singular names. So there's an argument to be made that we're going to see some real fireworks in the future um, because of the way that this is simply structured and the fact that it's an unintended consequence of what's been let to occur. But I don't think that there's really much choice because interest rates can't be raised. So that's the that's just a basic kind of over overlay of the uh, the Nirvana doom cycle. I'll send a link to that article and everybody can take a look at it. But I think what it really breeds in, in the last part of the discussion was is it brings in more active management because you're not able to just simply you know set it and forget it. You got to do a lot more of what you're doing, which is rotation. And you can see that like you look at the arc. If I say I'm gonna set it, forget it with arc, yeah, I'm up a hundred percent and now I'm down you know, half of that's gone in like six days. I mean, these moves are quick once you get that suck out on the, op when the options go the other way, because everybody's immediately starting to, you know, buy puts and then get negative gamma kicks in. So, you know, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have anything like that, but I think it's a one-way street. It's a binary market structure. And, you know, you, you look at the bid since the March of last year across the board, that's what it looks like across everything. Right. So you go from value to momentum to energies even come back. The only thing that doesn't look like that is your kind of currencies and your PMs and stuff like even Bitcoin is, you know, kind of in that environment where it relates to liquidity. So I think is the derivative. Very much so. Right. Yeah. So that that's that's the, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of I'll kind of leave that there before I yammer on too much. But the the, the I didn't see one last week. I didn't see the VIX. I didn't see, you know, the the pieces of that, the puzzle that have come into play that I think are just really kind of a replay over and over and over again. Um, so without the VIX, you don't have anything to really kind of hang your hat on to chew on deeper in the in the drops, right? So it was bought. And well, I have a theory about that. Okay, go for it. <laughs> All right, so this is true. Um, going back to the 2018 and that Gorpy action, actually um, January of 2018, then again October through the Christmas Eve massacre. So October 3rd through December 23rd, we dropped 20%, and it was very much a rate story. So we had, you know, tapped out at 3.2% on the 10-year on October 3rd, and that introduced. Um, emerging market stress. And then we just really went right back, right down, especially the queues um, until Munchen talked to the banks, right? The famous call to the banks on the 23rd of, of December. So this go round recently where we had just a yield pop, strong one, that 100 you know, rate of change, for example, mm -hmm. in the 10 year and a steepening of the, of the, of the yield curve. Um, at, at one point, finally, you know, it went, oh, wow, we really are moving higher. <laughs> it just seemed like, what was the rotation since yields were very firmly bid and bonds now have traveled down 20% from the August high, right? Gold is soft. There's no hedge in bonds. There's no hedge in gold and volatility, as you have mentioned, and rightfully so, it's neutralized or neutered. So what got a bid, a relentless bid? Oil, oil got the bid and it got a strong one. In fact, it surprised me <laughs> because, and although we can't really um, big picture deal with much higher oil as it relates to, it's a headwind on our economic recovery. If it stays above 65, 65, it's going much higher. Totally. And that's my thesis. So I have, I have a, a, that rotation, if you will, of into value. 
I don't think it was as much a value trade as it was, oh my God, we don't have a hedge in bonds. We don't have a hedge in volatility. We don't have a hedge in gold, any, pre any precious metal whatsoever. The dollar looks firm, looks actually like it's moving higher. Oh my God, the dollar's moving higher. Where do we, you know, that's one, you know, rotation, but there's so much emphasis on suppressing the dollar. Um, the shorts are at all time highs, et cetera, et cetera. To me, it was just oil, just press, press the rotation, the energy trade, and that's where it went. So now the question is, will it be almost like a self-reinforcing um, loop where the, the higher gas costs are, are driving CPI, which we get it tomorrow, by the way, and the higher CPI is driving inflation expectations, yields continue higher, the bond bubble continues to deflate. And with that, the bond proxies of tech. I don't think tech is going to be so easy to recover from this. I actually think it's going to be, it. we had that big downdraft, right, the past few weeks. That was well-timed. We've talked about this and the dollar has stayed firm and even rotated a little higher. And now we've got to see what it does. If the dollar moves decisively higher, right, that 93 to 95 area, I still think oil can move decisively higher to 80. And if 80, then 100. People aren't talking about that right now, but there is, there's backwardation in oil. There's supply and elasticity in oil. Oil's being used as an inflation hedge. It's taken the place of this, of, of, of you know, money flow. Um, and that's why some of these ETFs that I just pointed out that uh, Eric from um, Bloomberg, the ETF expert there was saying, oh my God, the inflows have been unprecedented. There's, I think, I don't think it's done. I, I think you're totally right, right? Like you got an environment where the inputs and outputs are just unique, totally unique on, on every angle. And, and so, and what I mean by that is like, um, you've got a, a, an interest rate environment that cannot move because of the impacts that it has to pensions. And then you have the uh, reopening, which has a high demand curve, but then you've pulled forward all the construction demand that you could ever think of. I've seen like, uh, you know, horror stories of people that have sticks and bricks in the ground under contract 12 months ago and didn't have inflation clauses in oh, their yeah. contracts and are just getting wiped out. We've already talked like about lumber has doubled since October and it's going higher. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's these, it's a true kind of hedge, you know, it, what Chris Cole talking about, right tail, left tail, right, of the of the volatility, like you can have high raging inflation, you can have high, you know, deflation. And I think that, you know, the play here is that you, you're, you're, you're going to get both, but what order, right, and you're getting it in the kind of an inflationary situation where you're, that oil trade is a, is a beautiful trade because- But it's a dangerous that, that's one. A great, you know, well, oil is like, you know, it's, it's a winner maker right behind that gas, right? So, you know, you it's it's just, there's a, but oil is highly volatile. So isn't everything volatility to an extent? So it, it, that, yeah. and and especially, um, and I, Robert, um, who is my oil trading friend, who's going to be on Thursday for the macro to micro power hour, cannot wait. Um, because his model is saying, okay, there are easier ways to make money. We already did. You're right. This, this move, Exxon and oil from October through the Biden bid, the election, the blue wave, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then January hot fire flames, it says money rotated into value, right? And softened in tech. And then 
than the air pocket, right? For selling in tech. Mm-hmm. All right. So he's like, there are easier ways to make money. But my intermarket analysis, we're going to have like this bull bear round. It mm. says higher. It says higher. And I, I hope I'm wrong because I don't think uh, we surely can't have an economic recovery with a headwind of much higher oil. But that's where I'm seeing the doom loop actually is stimulative oil. Even the stimulate, um, the, uh, the, the stimulus money, check this out in my, um, on my post for clients this weekend. All right, so tech rec uh, confirms rotation, but let me just kind of get to, um, you, were, you were just alluded to this, political, fiscal, monetary regime change. All of this, by the way, supports higher oil at the pump. But my point in showing the, um, okay, where's the, I know this is making your eyes kind of crazy. Oil is inflation hedge, high, it's high carry, uh, stimulative, here it is. So crude oil stimulus disproportionately benefits commodities. This is what is so interesting to me. Um, Congress just passed, right, that stimulus bill and look how much of it is going to be supportive of direct spending for consumers in this area. So it, it's actually, I'm trying to bring this chart up, but it doesn't really. It's this stimulus bill benefits consumers spending on oil. So I still think that we have um, this, this loop, if you will, this feedback loop of we're going to get um, that demand, if you will. And we, we have some supply issues in this because of what's happened over, over the past year. We've got OPEC in this. but beyond just where to put um, money as a hedge, meaning oil, I think this stimulus, the fiscal is very um, stimulative to oil prices moving higher as well. I totally right. Like you're totally right. Like this is a great trade. No, I, and it didn't, it's, it's, it's gotta really, go somewhere. I really thought it was gonna reverse at 65, 65. I really thought it was going to reverse because that's when we had the last, and Robert and I were talking about this, the last drone attack um, on Saudi Arabian oil base back in 2019. That was the high, the spike high, and then from 65.65 to literally negative 40, right, in West Texas, uh, intermediary on in May. And then it obviously has traveled a whole $100 back. I really thought that was going to be the line in the sand. And then when I saw it go over without any resistance i thought to myself this is not over <laughs> well it's unintended consequences but then you got the inputs and outputs that i said a second ago you know you got the the uh, an entire society that has been you know restricted but then a supported price structure that wasn't cleared then you've got society coming back into the fold that's not restricted at a higher price level than probably is natural. Negative oil was probably accurately, accurately played there back there. Now, you know, but then it comes back, there's some support in there for sure. Then you've got a price where naturally, maybe it's it gets repriced at an entirely different level because it was distorted, which is to this, to this point of the question, yeah. how, how is everything not dangerous when all price signals are distorted? That's kind of what I was saying a minute ago when I said, you know, look at the historical context of some of these readings, they didn't have the same framework of data. So when I'm looking at something, if I think A and B look similar, then they need to at least have the same parameters, right? 
and at least some concept of parameters, if they're not exact, but they're relatively the same, we're in some seriously uncharted territory here with the fiscal and the monetary. And where does that money flow? And so, I think that this is a really good catch you got here. I wrote about this actually two years ago, November of, it was a nine, 2019 article about, you know, the bond bubble. At some point, it was waxing philosophically about, you know, bonds are stocked without a circuit breaker. Okay. Which, you know, what I'm talking about, right? So yep. team, lots and lots of folks um, in fixed income. And at some point, the bond bubble would deflate um, when, and I, I basically, I wrote this at some point, this momentum driven bond bubble will be unwound. Granted, it's like a fully loaded locomotive needs miles and miles to come to a stop. So it's not to derail, but it would be logical and ironic if in fact, higher equities trigger the selling of bonds that cause the next market correction. It's going to plan perfectly when bonds roll over, check, structurally forcing rates to pop, check, then oil spikes, check. With the, with the reflation trade, think inflation spike, check, check. While momentum stocks are sold off, check, because they're overvalued relative to value. How many checks do you need on that one? Mm. I mean, how has energy performed relative to tech in the past six, seven, eight months? Extremely well. And cause indices to correct. We haven't had that yet. <laughs> I mean, the SPY and the down and the Russell are doing extremely well, right? So it means all of them. I'm, I, am, I am referring to all of them. This move could be quicker than folks think as liquidity is challenged in bond sell-off and volatility in the bond market spills over into equities. So when I had mentioned that a few weeks ago that this rate volatility was going to spill into equities, that wasn't the first time I had thought that or written that. That's kind of like my baseline. So I look for rate volatility to then come into the bond proxies of tech, which is why I recommended to clients Go short tech, forget 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 VIX, because the rotation is so so strong in value and energy. I just don't see there's going to be um, any other collateral damage than these high flying, zero dividend paying growth plays that just need to have the froth taken out. And the Fed looks like they're incredibly supportive to it. <laughs> I think I think that no one what, like what we covered right today when we were like looking at this kind of big picture and people watching this later. You know, what's the net net? Well, you've got an options driven equities market. And so volatility by proxy is so important to that, to keeping that moving. And then the passive indexation and then, you know, the interest rate suppression. So if all things being equal, you know, prices will head higher unless volatility is in the building. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. so there is no volatility in the building. Look at your portfolio hedger structure. Right. Right. That is one of the cleanest measures of all that I've seen. So if you're just like, hey, what am I doing? Like, I'm just going to monitor. Right. Because I can't deal with the volatility to this question. Right. There's so much volatility because you're going to have extreme volatility in price action. Do I stay? Do I not? And this isn't a plug. This is genuinely, I think, a good this is where it's like kind of coming full circle. The first thing we talked about is the augmentation of a changing and dynamic environment. How do I actually function in this environment? Well, you've got readings that can give you really kind of big picture triggers of whether this most dangerous mechanism is coming into the marketplace or not. And if volatility is not coming into the marketplace, it's rotation, rotation, rotation. Yep. And if volatility is coming into the marketplace, it's simply you better strap it in. 
it, re it reprices everything. And everything will be repriced pretty quickly. So, you know, I think, you know, you've got the, you've got all the tools here um, going forward and the, the different things, you know, one of the things like me, you know, we're focusing more on building the app there going forward than we are anything else because it's just, you know, having such a great feedback and then also so you know we're really enjoying it and it's got a lot of we think it has a lot of potential to help everybody in the market but so so folks like you that have your whole head wrapped around these rotational pivots where the flow of funds are going as it is all about liquidity it's all about liquidity and volatility and if there's a perception of liquidity or liquidity flows into x then that's going to run. And if they get sucked out, it's in deep right. trouble. I don't care. Narratives be damned. Narratives are almost, you know, kind of uh, the, going the way of the dodo um, at this environment. It's it's a rotational macro, vol, you know, uh, liquidity and then whether volatility is in its cage or not. And but that's I, think, it. I think that's extremely well said. The only caveat I would put is that the Fed matters. If they let rates continue to rise, let the market price the interest rates. Hundred percent. Tech is gonna have a hard time, and yeah. if they and if they enact, enable, however you want to put it, yield curve control, that's also going to suck liquidity out, and that means the market is going to have a hard time. A hundred percent. Yes. hundred so, percent. Yeah. We're we're at the table. We are at the end of an era, and that may be two months. It may be six months. It may be eighteen where something has to give with the interest rates, right? Where they're going to have to go like way lower and, you know, continue the science experiment on a whole nother level, or these things are going to normalize out of their hands. That's the key moment that- We're in a science experiment the past few weeks. It's been fabulous. 100%. <laughs> and so I think I think that's really kind of my, my, my takeaway. And that's why I think active management comes back into play because- And that's passive... why I think that value has more legs because of that rotation. It's a, it's a just, a, a, and I hadn't thought about it in that context of that actually, you can see the money flow, right? With it, but mm -hmm. you can also see the logic behind it mm -hmm. where- yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? That that momentum to anti-momentum or growth to value, it, it actually is more durable than I think people trust right now because of, remember how he said 28 head fakes, no question. But right now, what's the alternative? Allow VIX to reprice everything or they let this run up and value takes over. I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a, you only got so many plays, yeah. right? And, and and you got, you know, you, I think that this at least plays until the until the reopening can see how that goes, and and you you know, I think one caveat I have that I've been kind of thinking about is the uh, if direct fiscal stimulus ends here, right, with the trillion one point nine trillion, yeah, won't. Shit, then yeah. that is is. Um, uh, totally uh, got to be discovered what that kind of functionality does because the Fed then is totally on there. They're totally in the, yeah. in the corner by themselves. So you wonder if you're going to continue to see direct stimulus stuff going forward. And I think that... you're going to directly see more stimulus stuff going forward. I think they're fine with a higher dollar um, a little bit. It's de facto mm. tightening. They've obviously let yields rise without talking them down they're way far from doing yield curve control they can see the spy and you know 
Russell and Dow, they're doing fine. Rotation to old tech, rotation to energy and value. I think, I think this is so far, the playbook is working out and I'm just trying to, you know, follow and position it. But when I saw oil spike higher, I thought, my God, is that the next, you know, gold sometimes is, is, is the next VIX right now. Mm -hmm. Oil is the next VIX and it does, they move from hedge to hedge to hedge. So um, in any case, this will change very much if oil gets completely out of control. And I don't want to I don't want to call it, but I do see the potential for oil getting out of control. And that's something the Fed can't control. Yeah, I think I think um, 100 percent. And I think like, you know, the inflation, if you have runaway or, you know, start to see heavy inflation, they have to come with UBI types measurements like continued stimulus because people can't afford the wages or they keep eating stimulus to the energy plays completely stimulative to oil (laughs) you know so so you know none of the stuff that we've talked about um historically is off the table with with china or with anything else it's just still always a wild card i think i think uh, i think the the big thing now is how does the how's uh you know the the reopening go this summer with uh you know and, and i and i see like the that it's hot and it's going to, you know, the economy is going to run hot and all stuff. Well, I mean, obviously everybody's been cooped up. I mean, you know, shit, I'm ready to go, you know, anything besides just sit in my house. And I, I want to go to a meeting with people. That's the worst thing anybody can say. I love it. Let's have a meeting like just in person. Well, right? we, you know, right? So, so I get it. It's going to run hot, but then, right. What is the unintended consequences and knock on effects of that? So it's like this, this oil call is fantastic. Cause that's a knock on second second order thinking thing that's like this is going to happen this then this is going to start playing out as opposed to just direct correlation stuff which i think is the only way forward we'll see we'll see but definitely oil is the next vix is my call and um it still has to play itself out and it has to stay above 65 65 but in the meantime your sentiment on liquidity is spot on so we will revisit whatever we have next week on Tuesday. But for now, I think this is a great place to end. And thank you again for joining after um, this episode is uploaded to my YouTube channel. And um, I'll leave Jonathan alone for a week so he can continue to uh, crack the whip with his developers and get this platform launched. It is so Absolutely. exciting. It's so exciting. Yeah, can't yeah, wait. We'll, can't You'll wait. need a vacation can't after that, seriously. Nah, we're coming. We want, we want, we want everybody in the world to be able to use this. So <laughs> we'll then, keep working. All right, then, 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 don't cry if you don't get to sleep. All right, have, all right. Have a great, Thanks. A great night, and thank you for joining us. Thanks, bye. everybody. All right, bye.